This is the ICO Alert Podcast, Episode 17. I'm your host, Robert Finch, founder of ICO Alert. ICO Alert maintains the only comprehensive list of every single initial coin offering. That includes all of the active ICOs that are happening now, as well as all of the upcoming ICOs. You can check out the full list on our website at icoalert.com. We have four, that's right, four guests on the podcast today. Uh, first up, we have Joe Ergo, the founder of District Zero X and the CEO at Sorcerers. District Zero X uh, ran a very successful ICO uh, a few months ago, uh, and they're on the podcast to talk a little bit about the state of their platform. Uh, then we have Pascal Telman, we have Angelo Adam, and Dennis Dalkalich, who are all the co-founders of Bounty Zero X, which is a new up-and-coming ICO that's actually building on top of the District Zero X platform. It's truly an action-packed episode. We set a new record for the most number of people simultaneously on the podcast. Five, if you include myself. Uh, There's a lot of content, so without further ado, let's get to it. Guys, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks thanks for having us, Rob. Absolutely. So I wanted to start out... uh, just by saying that we do have two different ICOs on the platform, um, one of which had had their ICO a long time ago. It's District Zero X with Joe, and now Bounty Zero X that is actually building uh, on top of District Zero X. So to give everybody context, let's start with you, Joe. Um, can you tell people, you know, if they're not familiar, what District Zero X is and uh, what you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, so at District Zero X, we're building a network of decentralized marketplaces. So... Um, Take Uber or Airbnb or really any of these communal marketplaces that have emerged over the last over the last 10, 15 years or so. Um, they've all done a good job of harnessing the powers of decentralization to kind of improve the user experience and drive down costs a bit. But the beneficiaries of these outside of the user experience side of things, it tends to be uh, private shareholders and it's very, very concentrated decision making. Um, what we're trying to do is sort of liberate the users of these platforms and allow anyone to participate in the governance or uh, value values generation of these of these marketplaces. And um, yeah, so we're harnessing the powers of Ethereum and using the Aragon network to also um, offer governance capabilities. Awesome. So essentially like an all-in-one platform to build your own decentralized marketplace? Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. And what's the current state of District Zero X? So I know you guys just launched uh, Name Bazaar, which is a, a new marketplace. If you could talk about that and, and just the current state of the platform overall, that'd be great. Yeah, so we launched Name Bazaar this past Tuesday. It's an ENS exchange for the Ethereum name service. Um, already have about 500 or 600 names registered there. So got some good traction, got a pretty good response there this week. Um, so we're excited about that. Moving forward, we're going to start work on Meme Factory, which will look somewhat like a hybrid of Rare Pepe Wallet and um, the subreddit Meme Economy, if you will. <laughs> That's awesome. Which, uh, the subreddit Meme Economy, they have a couple hundred thousand users who upvote on these memes um, and comment on them with comments like, oh, I'd pay 100 good boy points for these things. So they're just throwing <laughs> around fictitious values and not really doing anything with it, but a ton of attention is being paid to these sort of things. So... We're planning to allow people to put some skin in the game and using Simon Taylor Riviere's curation markets model, um, or a, a variation of that, allow people to, yeah, tokenize these things and put some, put some value behind them. Um, and essentially, people, theoretically, people who can make some good memes and get some traction, they could also generate some value off these things. Awesome. And what was that method you mentioned? Uh, it's a curation markets model. Uh, okay, interesting. So essentially just... Uh people curating what's valuable on the network is that how you would describe yeah it? exactly so the the market itself is very general purpose it could be applying to tons tons of different things we are going to apply specifically to just these silly images that people post on the internet okay very cool um and and now i kind of want to talk about the actual district creation platform so i know this is something that isn't technically launched yet um, mm-hmm. How is Bounty Zero X, who we also have on the call, how are they building on top of District Zero X if, if that district creation platform isn't out? Yeah, so right now we, we have our first two marketplaces launched, ETHLANCE and NameBazaar, and we also have our GitHub repo, which is admittedly pretty bare, but going to be getting fleshed out here over the next couple of months. Um, for the District Zero X infra, which is our core infrastructure, which really um, 
provides the like the core functionality needed to power any sort of communal marketplace. So the core functionalities um, would be the ability to post, the ability to search or filter through posts, the ability to rank and give reputation to other users on the platform, and the ability to do payments or invoicing, which if you think of an Uber or an Airbnb or an eBay, that's really the core functionalities that power any of these sort of marketplaces. So that the core of what we're building that is really that. It's a framework that provides these functionalities to any sort of marketplace that wants to build on our network. And um, like I mentioned, over the next few months, we'll start to flesh that out. And projects such as Bounty Zero X will be able to leverage our infrastructure to be able to build a marketplace on top of it. Um, down the road, probably, hopefully, end of end of 2018, um, we hope to have our creation interface launch, which will allow people, well, provide an easy to use UI, kind of like a what you see is what you get drag and drop editor to allow people to make their own make their own marketplaces even simpler than they'll be able to do in within the next few months, hopefully. Awesome. That's great. And, and speaking of Bounty Zero X, um, Pascal or Angelo or, or Dennis, uh, do one of you want to tell people what Bounty Zero X is and what you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, sure. I'll go ahead. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty management platform, which enables bounty hunters to complete bounty campaigns and bounty startups or bounty hosts to post bounties uh, for uh, bounty hunters to complete. And that's essentially the concept behind Bounty Zero X. Okay. And when, when you say bounty, there may be some people who are listening that are not familiar. You know, they think bounty and they think like a bounty hunter who's going out and getting this guy who you know, didn't pay his uh, bail or didn't show up to court. Um, what type of bounties are, are you talking about here? Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that's the motif we use in our website as the like Western, old, old Western theme, because that's typically what people think about when they think of uh, bounty. Uh, they think of old Western sheriffs and uh, wanted posters. Um, but so um, today, bounties are more related to software development, bug bounties, advertising, marketing. They can range pretty broadly in terms of the type of scope that uh, a bounty consists of. But essentially, the core concept is that a task is needed to be completed. And usually, many people are required to complete that task. So instead of just going out to like a freelancer site and hiring one person to do something, bounty tasks benefit specifically from the types of tasks where many people are required to complete uh, posts and bounties and where you need to manage uh, payments for large numbers of submissions. So we're developing our platform specifically to benefit from uh, being able to make payments to many different number, like high numbers of people. Okay, yeah, just to, to break that down a bit, um, on our platform, on the Bounty Zero X network, we are currently offering three types of bounties. Um, so the first one is the simple bounty category, which are bounties that can be automatically reviewed through an API, just for example, a Twitter bounty, Facebook bounty, or referral links. So bounties that can be automated. Secondly, we have sheriff bounties, which as the name suggests are tasks that can be reviewed by bounty sheriffs. Um, some examples would be, for example, an articles bounty, um, YouTube, YouTube video creation, translations, etc. And third, we have super bounties, which need to be reviewed by a team member or, um, or a site admin because they can be you know, confidential or maybe um, they're very subjective. So some examples for this as, would be, as Angelo mentioned, bug bounties or improvement suggestions to the platform. Okay, very cool. And to, to talk about some specific um, you know, real-world examples of how Bounties UX is actually going to improve this process, um, I was doing a little bit of research on bounties in the tech space in general. And uh, the, the history of bounties in the tech space is actually a lot more controversial than I imagined. Um, and it generally comes down to the fact that there are some companies, whether it's you know Facebook or Twitter or um, these, these big tech companies, they'll, they'll have these bug bounties, these systems where people can you know, submit a, a bug. Uh, for example, there was this gentleman who found out a way to essentially log into anyone's Facebook account. And when he reported the bug to Facebook, they awarded him a bounty of $15,000. Um, but where the controversy kind of stems from in the 
tech space tends to be with the payout of these bounties. So apparently, um, there have been a lot of different instances if somebody reports a bug that they think you know satisfies the requirements for the bounty. Um, and Facebook or Google or whoever it may be will say, no, 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 we don't think it satisfies the requirements, so we're not going to pay you. Um, is that something that Bounties UX is trying to solve as well? That that uh, you know method of secure payment where you can prevent somebody who posts a bounty from screwing somebody over who actually delivers on it? Yes. So. Um, as I said, on the, well, on the platform, on the Bounty Zero X network, there's mainly three types of users. There's the bounty hunter who completes bounty tasks. Secondly, there's the bounty sheriff who checks um, that the bounty task was completed correctly. And finally, there's the bounty host who is the entity or company who posted the, um, the bounty. And yeah, for the issue you mentioned, so that's um, our bount every bounty submission that belongs to the bounty sheriff category is reviewed at least by three bounty sheriffs. And yeah, these would make sure that a bounty actually satisfies the requirements set by the bounty host. Okay, and on the flip side, I guess it would kind of require the bounty host to maybe deposit it in escrow or something like that. Is that how that works? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and are you using smart contracts for that, or is that uh, a trusted bounty where people have to trust you to, to hold their funds? Um, I think Dennis could yeah. um, elaborate. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of the actual fund, it will be on smart contracts. So we will have a um, uh, we will have a smart contract to hold all sorts of ERC ERC twenty tokens from um, uh, our bounty hosts. And uh, the the process is that um, these startups or companies that may come to us to host their bounties, they will send us a certain allocation of their tokens, and we will keep that on our smart contract. And once bounty sheriffs approve a, um, a submission against the bounty, then they get reviewed. And if it's successful, uh, the person who submitted the who submitted the work will be automatically rewarded through our smart contracts. So that's where the blockchain and distributed um, um, decentralization comes into our platform. Okay, that's great. So to clarify, you guys don't actually have access to the funds that are being held on the platform. Yes, that exactly. Smart contracts will will have access to the and will have access and control the funds. Okay, perfect. That's great. That definitely uh, seems to solve that that issue in particular. Um, one interesting thing I found in your guys' white paper was basically a screenshot from Bitcoin Talk. And if you're listening and you're not familiar, um, Bitcoin Talk is kind of one of the main uh, crypto forums now where a lot of people post, you know, ICO announcements or post or discuss kind of uh, happenings within the crypto community. Um, but you had a, a post on kind of where people find bounties now that I thought was really interesting where it's this like old, you know, kind of uh, almost web 1.0 layout, I guess, of like a forum where people can go on and search bounties and there's all these different posts and it's really hard to manage. Um, I, I guess you guys are trying to essentially be that new uh, hub for bounties. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great description. Um, Bounty uh, Bitcoin talk at the moment is where a lot of ICOs and startups hosting their bounty campaigns go to post them. And usually there's an announcement page, which consists of the description of the ICO and the uh, description of the bounty campaign. So what tasks are being offered for bounty hunters? Um, and then you, there's usually like a link to a spreadsheet where bounty hunters can enter their information or uh, startup, uh, a startup itself can uh, monitor uh, the submissions. Uh, and yeah, and exactly like you said, it's pretty cumbersome. It's pretty difficult to use. And it's also at the moment limited in scope to ICOs. And it's limited in scope uh, as a result of the fact that it's fairly cumbersome to use. So the scope of the bounties, which can be completed, could expand significantly if there were a better interface through which to interact with the bounty campaign and the bounty hunters. So yeah, that's exactly right at the moment. Um, that's what our goal is, uh, to expand the scope and the efficiency of bounty campaigns so that um, you can not only be limited to more simple bounties like Twitter and marketing and articles, but to much more complex bounties and outside of only the ICO space to also include uh, uh, startups outside of the crypto space and um, consulting firms, uh, traditional companies. Um, so we see that there's a lot of room in the space. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Elabor elaborating a bit more on what Angelo said. Um, yeah, so 
at the moment, as um, as Angelo said, we are focused on the ICO space because it's kind of like the perfect test case. Um, you know, there's also already this demand and we can perfectly test the platform. But our ultimate goal is to increase the efficiency of industries that would be benefit from a decentralized workforce and a bounty-oriented reward model. And yeah, the first industries that we have in mind is, of course, the online marketing industry um, with influencer marketing and all that. Secondly, we would have um, the whole research world, which is um, gigantic by itself, where, for example, organizations could reward for the accomplishment of a certain goal. Like, for example, they could set a bounty for curing a certain type of cancer, for example. Um, third, there's the consulting world. Um, and finally, of course, the software development industry for security audits, back, back bounties, and all that. Okay, interesting. And it's interesting also how you know, big of a part. I definitely want to talk about those those other applications here shortly. But with the ICO space in general, if you're not actively in the ICO space, or you haven't run an ICO, or you haven't tried to specifically seek out a bounty like this, I don't think the average listener realizes um, just how how significant of a part the bounty campaign is of, of an ICO's marketing campaign, where, you know, you're trying to incentivize the community to, to post about the ICO on Twitter, or, um, you know, write an interesting article, or, or do a, a review of their white paper, whatever it may be. But Joe, would you say that the Bounties was a, a pretty significant part of the District Zero X ICO? Um, so we took a somewhat unique approach, and partly because, I mean, we were cognizant of the fact that running one of these bounty campaigns was a ton to manage, and for the bulk of the crowd sale, it was just Madison and myself, and Madison was very much focused on the coding side of things. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of other stuff going on and didn't necessarily have time to manage a bounty campaign. So we did a a community advisor program, we called it, where we essentially, um, we uh, the first, I want to say, three to 500 people that came into our Slack, we offered some free tokens to. Um, and then from that point on, any any uh, community members who are very active in our community on Slack or on Reddit, we would reach out to and, um, yeah, just ask for an address and send some tokens their way after our sale. But, um, yeah, I think in, in general, though, um, anything like that, that gives the community an opportunity to get involved from the early stage, not necessarily need to commit capital, but be able to contribute their attention or time and um, just be able to spread the word. I think that, yeah, it's a great way to build virality, to build your initial network and to get uh, strong community support, which is really essential for all these projects. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when you talk about your community advisors, did you ever have any problems with like one of them um, you know, not doing their job or, or not following through? Were there any issues like that? No, because we uh, we didn't have any commitments for any of them. Okay. So. Yeah, the reason why I ask is because there was uh, another ICO who uh, I won't name, but somebody that we were, you know, helping list on ICO Alert. We are a free-to-list site, so we have all these ICOs up there. Um, but we were working with this person and they had expressed to us, you know, hey, do you have anybody that could help us manage our bounty? Our bounty manager basically just just left. So their ICO started. Um, a lot of people had, you know, contributed to the bounty. This this one person was keeping track of it all and was kind of managing the bounty. And I guess after he received his first payment, he just totally disappeared and they never heard from him again. And as a result, it, it really kind of um, it, it impacted their ICO in a, in a pretty significant negative way just because, you know, it made them look really bad. And this this quote unquote team member ran away and it was this whole disaster. Um, it, it's interesting how Bounty ZRX can kind of solve that as well. I mean, are you guys trying to be like, are you trying to eliminate the bounty manager position? Are you trying to kind of get rid of that middleman here? I wouldn't say that we try to completely eliminate it. Um, I mean, we can, in certain ways, we can automate it. Like, for example, with um, for the Facebook and the Twitter bounty, they can simply be automated with an API. Um, and secondly, for the more complex tasks, like, for example, articles or YouTube videos that really can't be automated, um, we simply outsource the reviewing part to the to the crowd by having the um, by bringing the bounty sheriff user to life. Okay, interesting. So anybody can be a, a bounty sheriff. Um, yes. So bounty sheriff is simply a user um, on the bounty zero network that stakes BNTY tokens, and in exchange, you will get the right to um, to review other other submissions. And if he performs a correct submission, then um, he will of course receive a reward for that. Should I maybe dive a bit into the token mechanics? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. 
Okay, so yeah, BNTY, as I said, um, is a utility token and has three main use cases on the Bounty Xerox network. First of all, BNTY will be used by bounty hunters, which, as I said, is um, the user that completes bounty tasks on the Bounty Xerox network. And yeah, bounty hunters need to stake BNTY to participate in super bounties. Um, if a super bounty submission is rejected, like, for example, a bug report, the bounty hunter will lose a, um, a portion of his stake tokens. And yeah, the reason why we do this is because super bounties are checked manually by a team member of the company or startup, and therefore it's really important to ensure that the submissions are of a superior quality to avoid wasting this individual's time. Um, secondly, BNTY will be used by bounty sheriffs, which is the user on the Bounty Zero X network that verifies um, the completion of certain tasks. So bounty sheriffs, as I said before, will be able to stake BNTY to review bounties. Um, if they perform a review incorrectly, they will lose a portion of their stake tokens. However, if they perform the review correctly, they will gain um, a reward for that. And yeah, the reason why we do this is bounty sheriffs are financially incentivized to perform reviews correctly. And finally, the third use case um, is that BNTY will be used by bounty hosts which is the company or entity or individual that posts a bounty on our network. Any yeah, bounty hosts can purchase BNTY to unlock additional features in the network or, for example, to hire additional service from our partners, like, for example, I don't know, community management, for example. And yeah, those are really the three main utilities for the BNTY token. We may add more in the future, but this is um, what we're thinking for for the first release. That's great. And talking specifically about the, the sheriff, so these people who are staking tokens and then uh, ostensibly earning tokens by, um, you know, deciding it, whether uh, a bounty was fulfilled or not. Um, how do you determine what's correct? Is it the, the majority of sheriffs have to vote a certain way and whoever didn't vote with the majority loses their tokens? Um, how do you kind of determine what's the right answer? Yes. So um, for our launch, we are, um, we are planning to um, let every bounty submission to be checked by three bounty sheriffs first. So if two out of three would um, deem a submission as correct or approved, then the um, submission is approved. And the bounty sheriff that voted um, that it shouldn't be approved, he would then lose a portion of his stake tokens. Um, but yes, yeah, the platform evolves. Um, we might consider um, increasing this number to potentially five bounty sheriffs if we see that's a more efficient solution. But yeah, that's still something that we need to discuss. Yeah, and one of the main questions I had regarding this kind of mechanism of the platform, how are you guys going to prevent collusion? So, for example, if somebody put up a, a big bug bounty, um, let's say it's for, you know, 10 Bitcoin, it's some serious bug in, in a big app that would hurt a lot of people if the bug got out, and somebody finds this app that lets people access accounts or whatever it may be, um, how do you then prevent collusion? How do you prevent me from getting together with 10 of my friends and me submitting, you know, a, a bogus uh, qualification for the bounty, basically saying, hey, I found this bug um, here it is, but I, I didn't really, really submit anything that, that that's a real bug. Um, and then I get five of my friends to go and approve that submission, and then I collect the bounty. How do you guys plan to prevent that from happening? Yeah, so this is one of the scenarios where Bounty Zero X really benefits from the network effect, because um, the submission, like the, the verification process, is assigned randomly to Bounty Sheriffs. So Bounty Sheriffs will simply have a dashboard where random uh, bounties will show up, and they can decide to verify them or not. So as our network grows and we receive more bounty sheriffs, the lower the probability will be that the bounty sheriff um, will receive a submission, you know, and to verify something that actually he made or a friend made. So, yeah, I, I mean, this is an aspect that will get safer as our platform keeps growing. Okay, interesting. So you can't just go out and, and pick a specific bounty and go, hey, I want to review this one. You have to just kind of get served the bounties as they come randomly. Yes, that's correct. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, th this whole thing's interesting. I want to talk a lot about uh, those other use cases you said, you know, broader applications for um, a platform like this, like research, even, you know, went as far to mention that somebody could essentially put up a bounty for curing a, a type of cancer. Um, is this limited just to, you know, ICOs at the beginning? <coughs> or, or could I actually go up now and, and put up a bounty for, or a bounty, excuse me, for, for solving cancer or for some other, uh, maybe something <laughs> that, that's less serious than cancer. Uh, but could I put up a non-ICO bounty right now? Or is the platform going to be restricted at the start? 
and well, if yeah, anyone's li- if anyone's listening right now, feel free to go up and <laughs> put up a bounty for curing cancer. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to. <laughs> Probably a million and, Bitcoin. And if, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, at the moment we are planning to only support um, ICO bounties, kind of, you know, to start slowly rolling out our features and all that. Because, I mean, we're really lucky um, to have such a perfect test case for the platform because there's a real demand right now in the ICO space for bounties. And so so we were really lucky to have, like, this room to play around with. But, yeah, further down our roadmap, um, as I said, we will also start looking into getting out of the ICO space. Um, one of our top priorities would be the online marketing world, um, especially for the influencer marketing space, which is really a, also a perfect test case for this because um, on Bounty Zero X there will be a reputation system. So bounty hunters, you know, um, will have a reputation system by the work they have completed and kind of like their status, like their social status. So a brand could, for example, if they are looking for uh, someone to promote their latest product on Twitter, they could choose to only reward bounty hunters that have a certain reputation score on our platform um, that, that, that would be actually eligible to receive the rewards. So that's, that's one of the use cases. Okay, yeah, that's very cool. So how are you calculating the score? Will it just be you know, based on the number of submissions that they've gotten approved versus denied? Is that kind of what you're going with at the start? Dennis, do you want to take on this one? Yes. Um, yeah, so the idea is that um, as the network grows and the number of people within the network grows as well, um, both bounty hunters and sheriffs, um, each <laughs> what when they, they pay. So if it's a bounty sheriff, for example, um, and he he reviews correctly and he gives the correct submissions approvals, then his rating will eventually go up. But if he's if he's on the wrong side of the submit, if he's on the wrong side of the approvals and majority of the majority of his um, approvals are wrong then his uh, score would go down we we plan to have a um, scoring system out of five so it'll be like um just like the usual uber rating will be one star out of five example and depending on your rating you'll be eligible to review a um, higher higher crit- more critical bugs more critical bounties and um if your review is lower then you get to review uh, less more well, less important bugs, let's say. It, it works the same way for bounty bounty hunters as well. So um, the the better your submission, the the better the chance that you will be feeded um, uh, better bounties in the future, and um, you you will probably earn you you'll get to earn more as well as your rating goes up. Uh, okay, yeah, I like the the Uber rating comparison there because. Um, I know just, you know, riding around in Ubers and talking to Uber drivers, they're required to keep a a certain rating. So like a 4.5 or a 4.7 out of 5 to, uh, you know, continue um, getting more and more rides and essentially to just continue being a a driver on the platform. They have to maintain a really high rating. Is that something that you guys are planning on doing? Like essentially um, banning people with with really low scores that consistently get denied with uh, or or vote vote against the majority um, when it comes to these bounties? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, I'm not sure if we would have to actually go as far as banning them. Because, I mean, startups could set, for example, or not startup, um, I should better call it bounty host. Um, when they want, when they post a bounty campaign, they could, for example, choose that they only want to um, offer this bounty to bounty shares with a certain rating. So if they want to offer the bounty also to people with two-star rating, I mean, that's fine with us. Uh, it's their decision. But as you can probably imagine, most bounties will be served um, to bounty hunters with a higher review score. Okay. Yeah, and the reason why I think the reviews are so interesting is because one of the main issues that I could potentially foresee that I'd love to get your thoughts on is is a quality issue. So, you know, if you have a bunch of, of people who maybe, um, you know, are, are new to a project, they get assigned to, say, uh, review a, a bounty when it comes to a YouTube video. So an ICO said, hey, make a YouTube video about our project and we'll give you, you know, 100 tokens. If that person goes out and they make a YouTube video, but the, the YouTube video is incredibly poor quality and the audio is bad, technically they, they may have, you know, fulfilled those review requirements. Um, are, are you kind of relying on, on your bounty sheriffs to take a, uh, a subjective yeah. approach to this and, and kind of apply their own standards for well, quality? Well, one point I would add to that is that we encourage the um, bounty hosts when they're posting a bounty to uh, specify in the bounty reward uh, what 
the uh, result of the bounty of the bounty submission is. So in your example with the YouTube video, if a bounty hunter submits a YouTube video which ends up getting five million views, then they would be rewarded uh, proportionately or in with a greater reward than if the video which they submitted only had ten views. So that's a proxy for quality in a sense. And so we want to encourage the bounty hunters to, you know, make submissions which are high in quality. And one way we can do that is by increasing the reward which they receive for doing so. Okay, interesting. And, you know, I don't want to dive too much into the the views as a metric, but um, wouldn't it technically be possible for me to put out a really bad video, submit it for this bounty, and then go and and pay somebody, you know, a hundred bucks to put 500,000 fake views on my video? Um, Is that something you foresee? Or do you think that that that's not really going to be an issue? Yeah, I mean, that could definitely happen. I could see a situation where potentially 500,000 people would uh, there would be an incentive to, uh, you know, have fake views. Um, I mean, if that's an issue, we could, you know, find ways to minimize that. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Pascal or Dennis? Yeah. So, um, in terms of dealing with that kind of issue, um, if, for example, if the video is not up to a certain quality, then even if it has certain, um, a million users, if the video is not up to the quality, then it could still be disputed by the um, by the startup host that that's essentially going to pay this person. So um, that's one way to um, go around that issue. And the other way would be to um, to make sure that um, the users, so the 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 views are to to check that a view is genuine. Would have to would would have to somehow go through review system where um, we rather than automating the um, review of the YouTube video, we'll go into for example the person's YouTube channel, see how many subscribers he has, how many views he's had previously on his previous videos. Then you could get a gauge of um, you could get an idea of um, if his if his views are genuine or not, and we can make a decision based on that. Okay, interesting. So that. That could be solved basically just by moving it from something like a simple bounty up to a, a human-reviewed sheriff bounty, I guess? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on that, on, on kind of, you know, quality? It's, it's always interesting to, to get somebody who's run an ICO before or has, a, you know, run a similar platform to um, contribute their thoughts to, to this new ICO. Joe? Sorry, I think I was muted. Oh, no, that's um, all right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, quality in, in general, like around content specifically in the space is um, something that's kind of hard to come across. And yeah, I think a review platform for that in general is definitely needed. Um, something that we've we've um, experienced on our end, try, just trying to find writers and stuff is content has been tough to find quality. Yeah, it's interesting too, especially, I mean, it's hard, hard enough to find a, a qualified writer, I think, but even harder to find a qualified writer that understands cryptocurrency and is going to use the proper terminology and, and uh, not look like somebody that, that essentially just discovered this thing yesterday. Um, so it's always an interesting mix. Same, same thing with hiring, as I'm, I'm sure you've experienced. Yeah, exactly. It's just such a niche area um, where there's, there are tons of quality writers out there, but in this space specifically, um, it's pretty limited just because <clears throat> the area itself is so small. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it, we're right now, for example, looking uh, for several hires at ICO Alert, and one of those is like a, a UI and UX designer. It's already hard enough in in the tech space to find a good UI and UX person, or or just a UI person, or just a UX person. But then to add on a requirement that, that says you know medium to significant knowledge of cryptocurrency just just <laughs> shrinks that base much much smaller. Um, yeah. So it's it's very interesting. I think um, I read a stat pretty recently that 0.1% of people in the world own any cryptocurrency. So 0.1, wow. Still got, still got a long way to go. Yeah, a yeah. lot of room to grow for sure. Um, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting point. Uh, Pascal, uh, Dennis, Angelo, how did you all get involved with crypto? Where did you know your idea for Bounty Zero X come from? So I actually, before starting Bounty Zero X, was a community manager with District Zero X. Uh, and okay. uh, that's, I met Joe through there and then uh, when I said I started Bounty Zero X, stopped working as the community manager. Um, And that's actually where the idea of Bounty Zero X started. It was started as a GitHub uh, proposal, actually the first GitHub proposal. And I think now there's over like 200 District Zero X proposals. So it started there and then Pascal contacted me 
because he had started a platform called Block Bounty, which was a similar concept. And so we had a Skype call and decided to work on Bounty Zero X together and just flesh out the idea that I had uh, submitted in the uh, uh, GitHub proposal for a District Zero X. Um, so then um, prior to working with uh, District Zero X, I was doing some assistant, assisting uh, WeTrust uh, with uh, like writing an article for one of their uh, spot, their blogs. Um, and then how did I get involved originally? I think, I mean, I was a trader at a hedge fund and uh, the Bitcoin trading interested me back in like 2012. So I did some trading of Bitcoin when it was like $10 and then uh, crowdfunded Ethereum. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's always been, I've been in the space and following it pretty closely for quite a long time. Um, so yeah, that's my background in the crypto space. Just to, just to sort of interject there, um, the part about how this all sort of came together via a GitHub proposal in our in our um, repo, it's like we think it's pretty amazing um, to see the collaboration going on within our community and that leading to other projects being developed on top of our platform, which is, uh, I mean, ultimately our end goal, our end goal is just to support a bunch of other projects as the underlying framework. So. Yeah, um, we're very excited about this. Yeah, it's very cool. It's it's also kind of a testament to you know the power of the crypto community. Um, did did none of you guys know each other at, at Bounty Zero X before you got together and started working on this? No, I actually heard first about Angel on his GitHub proposal. So yeah, that's that's when we met for the first time. Yeah, I I met um, Angelo through LinkedIn actually. So um, yeah, it's just it's all been online. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. It's it's yeah. It's it, pretty crazy to see how all these layers kind of get built on top of each other as well because i know um joe with district zero x you guys are utilizing aragon for governance as well so it's kind of like uh we're seeing almost like a, a framework layer of um i don't know if i would call them products maybe maybe more platforms or, or services just different frameworks that you can kind of uh, piece together and and use to you know build your own project so it, it'll be very cool to see you know maybe a couple years from now there will be people who met uh as you know, sheriffs on the Bounty Zero X platform, and then they'll build some other, <laughs> some other project after that. So it'll be kind of cool to see uh, how far it goes. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a testament to what J Joe's idea to the GitHub proposals, and you know that was I think a really good idea uh, to let everyone have incentive to um, you know post proposals and then rewarding them. And I mean the Bounty Zero X platform could be used for you know, a similar concept with proposals for like bug, uh, you know, bounty hunters submitting proposals. Uh, and I haven't heard of any other startup. I mean, District Xerox is the first startup that I heard of that did uh, proposals in that manner. And it ended up being a huge success and it's a really great idea. Yeah. And Joe, can you explain a little bit about what the, when we say GitHub proposals, you know, here, everybody knows what we're talking about, but for those that are listening, can you just explain uh, how that whole system works? Yeah, sure. So, um, basically, we we uh, we started off with ETH Lance already built. Um, we were named Bazaar. Our marketplace that we launched last week was under development, and we had Meme Factory, our next marketplace, planned. Beyond that point, though, we wanted to give the community a way to pretty much um, decide what they wanted to see us build next. Because as we as we're building out this framework, we we want to see a lot of variety on top of it um, to make sure that well, it's battle tested and we're comfortable as general purpose enough that it can really support any type of marketplace that people want choose to build on it. So um, we thought the best way to go about doing that would be to allow the community to propose any, any sort of marketplace they want to see us build. Um, so to do that, we just created a new repo in our GitHub. Um, like we just called it District Proposals, and the community can come in there. We have like a standard template to use to keep things organized, but you can just submit a a proposal for a marketplace that you would like to see build, built, and then that feeds into our voting DAP, um, at, which is at vote.district0x.io, which allows DNT holders to uh, signal for what they'd like to see us build next. Very cool. And that's that's one of the coolest parts about uh, the project, for sure. I totally agree. Um, also, because you guys had a, an issue with an exchange listing with Bittrex before you know the some of the SEC regulation came out, and um, it, it kind of came down to an issue where they were requiring payment and, and you guys had made this, uh, 
kind of statement at the beginning of your ICO that you weren't going to pay to be listed and, and you were going to uh, be very community driven. And you, you guys really proved that by then uh, actually holding a vote on by, by basically saying, hey, do you want us to you know, put up this fee and, and pay to go through the legal process to eventually get listed? Or uh, do you want us to you know, stick to our guns and not? And the, you, you guys went uh, you know, maybe against your own wishes and listened to the community. And uh, I think a lot of people in this space thought that was very cool. And uh, it'll be very cool to see um, you know, some uh, additional Im implementations of that as, as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, longer term, as we envision our platform is, well, the final final step on the roadmap is to turn over full, full governance of the network itself to, to DNT holders. So um, obviously, it's a, there's a lot of things that need to happen between now and then. But examples like this is like a good, uh, good example or, yeah, just situations like this is a good example of scenarios that can can be fully decentralized in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Then uh, one thing I want to talk about um is the ICO structure of Bounty Zurex in particular. So it seems like you guys have a, a relatively modest cap, um, a, a, a very modest presale. It looked like you guys were only raising uh, 250000 in in the presale, which is much, much less than uh, other ICOs. Can you tell us a little bit about your ICO structure and why you chose the amounts you did? Yeah, I mean, well, just we don't want to call it an ICO. I mean, it's a contribution period and just, you know, it's technical jargon for legal reasons. Sure, um, yeah. You know, we, we, we don't want to... You know, make any like uh, you know securities and, and there's a lot of technical and legal aspects to that. But for the contribution period, um, you know, we decided to do a, a smaller amount because we don't really need that much. And a lot of the startups that are raising you know large sums of money with large uh, caps are not really uh, going to need that much money to develop the platform. So you know, we're um, we want everyone who wants to contribute to be able to, and we don't want some people to buy the entire amount. Um, so that's why we have a fairly large $10 million cap, um, because uh, having a higher cap will prevent, uh, you know, one large buyer from coming in. And we don't want, like, to have a secondary market where, you know, you know people who weren't able to participate in the contribution period then need to buy at a markup. Uh, right. So... No, so yeah, sense. so so that's kind of the, our our reasoning for the uh, for managing it that way in terms of the cap yeah, cap no. amounts. Are you guys going with kind of a, a standard contribution structure where anybody can uh, you know put in as much as they want, or are you doing something more like zero X, uh, a, a totally different project from the zero X we had on the podcast a while ago? Um, they're a, a protocol for decentralized exchange. Um, are you guys doing something like there? ICO model where they uh, essentially had little daily limits to make sure that everybody who signed up could get in, or are you just kind of saying, you know, 10 million is enough, we're going to include everybody that, that wants to contribute? Yeah, yeah so um, for the pre-sale, um, which is capped at 250K, we plan to structure it on a first-come, first-served basis. Since it's a really small percentage of our tokens that we'll be selling to the pre-sale, we won't be doing any gas limits or, um, or other limits during the pre-sale. However, for the ICO, um, we might, and we're considering to set a gas cap to avoid somebody setting an obscenely high gas price and then just getting through um, through all the other bits. Um, but yeah, that's 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 more or less how we plan to structure it. Do you want to add anything to that, Dennis? Uh, no, that's that that's what I was going to say actually. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that brings me to my next two questions, and uh, we'll kind of start to get wrapped up here. Um, in terms of the long-term viability, now these are, are two questions that uh, several users have reached out and kind of requested that uh, I ask on every podcast, and it's something I've been doing for the last couple episodes. Um, in terms of long-term viability, so we know, you know, let's say you guys do raise $10 million, it's a lot of money to, to fund your salaries and fund your team salaries and, you know, pay for everything you need to pay for over, you know, the next few years, but... Um, how is your company going to survive in the long term? Do you plan to, you know, just take that money and, and use it to build out your platform and then kind of let it continue as an open source project? Or um, is, is there another way that you're going to kind of uh, make this thing survive in the long term? Yeah, so we're planning to structure Bounty Zero X as a for-profit organization. Um, currently, we have two campaigns listed on our platform, which is one, um, first one is for Koti. Um, it's called Currency of the Internet. It's a new project. Second one is ours, and there are a couple more coming in next week. Um, and yeah, um, our current clients, we're charging them a 5% commission on the tokens allocated to the campaign. So that's our current business model. Um, but we are planning to lower that fee much more because, for example, I don't know, for example, for the Coty campaign, 
they're allocating, um, I believe it was 100K worth of tokens. So 5% fee would be $5,000. Um, and yeah, but um, as soon as our platform is essentially completely automated, when we don't um, need to manually check every submission anymore with a bounty sheriff system, um, we're considering to lower the to platform fee to 1%, which will, um, which will be a solid business model. And at the same time, um, a really small fee that every um, every startup can you know can cover. Yeah, and it's yeah. It seems like it kind of aligns your incentives too, because then you know you are holding the tokens from these ICOs, so it's really in your best interest that the the platform works for these ICOs so that they can be successful, and then you can eventually um, you know realize some of those uh, uh, those those fees. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, DNT holders will soon um, be able to stake their DNT to some Bounty Zero X proposals. Um, so we're in the process of creating, uh, we're in talks with District Zero X to make a, a voting system uh, similar to like the name Bazaar and uh, the, the voting uh, proposal system for the future districts. And, you know, I might as well mention that, you know, District Zero, uh, Bounty Zero X is currently being voted on. Um, on the district uh, voting DAP. And so we're currently the, the fourth most voted district for the next district to be incorporated into District Neuronext Network. So if there are any DNT holders listening, listening, we encourage them to go on the district voting app DAP and vote for our proposal for Bounty Zero X and you know keep an eye out for the Bounty Zero X DAP, which will enable DNT holders to stake their DNT to some proposals and participate in governance of the Bounty Zero X network. So we want to get DNT holders as involved as possible in uh, Bounty Zero X governance. Awesome. And so keep an eye out for yeah, that. That sounds very cool. Like you said, go ahead, go to uh, vote.districtzerox.io if you have DNT and you can vote for the, the Bounty Zero X uh, platform. Um, last thing I want to talk about, and this kind of ties in with that, actually, what's the, the current state of the platform? Is it in beta? Is it still just a proposal on GitHub that you're waiting for people to vote on? Uh, do you have a working version internally? What's the, what's the status? Yes. So, um, we actually have an alpha put up, up right, right now. It's working. Um, it's alpha.bounty0x.io. So, um, at the moment it's only for bounty hunters to be able to sign up and start participating in the two campaigns that we run at the moment. Um, however, having said that, it, it's it's very much um, early version, so there there are there may be some there may be some bugs, but um, it's expected it's an alpha. It's not even a beta yet, but you can participate and make submissions against bounties that's running and start um, start earning some um, tokens, such as Coty tokens or even BNT wipe tokens. Um, in terms of the application itself, it's. The current alpha version, it's it, this is the central part of our um, architecture. So um, the project is itself is um, kind of semi-decentralized. Uh, so we make we we a hybrid of both central and decentralized system. Um, uh, so the current application is centralized. So we have we have uh, a we have a central database where we keep our user accounts and our bounties. But um, eventually, as the platform moves forward. We'll bring in decentralization and automate automation of um, submission verification and distribution of payments on the blockchain. Very cool. And in terms of roadmap, what day is your your uh, ICO or your contribution event, whatever you your uh, legal team <laughs> requires you to call it? Um, when is that, and how long after that will the actual platform uh, launch? Well, yeah, the so platform already did launch. Yeah, so oh. the platform is live. Uh, I mean, the staking will be active shortly after. The uh, you know the bounty tokens are minted in the Genesis contract, and uh, the presale is November 10th to 15th, and the main sale is uh, the main contribution period is December 1st through 15th. Wow, okay, and I get that the, the if it's the alpha that's live right now, when will the the beta or the the main release version actually come out? So we plan for beta um, around. Uh, early January, um, where we should have um, our stake-in module in place as well. Um, uh, and going forward, um, depending on the challenges that we come across, we want to get the live product out by, um, I think, um, by first half of the 2018. 
Uh, okay, very cool. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I want to start with you, Joe. Is there, there anything we missed about District Zero X? Anything exciting coming up that uh, you wanted to talk about before we end the show? Um, yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check out our voting dap, go ahead and do that at vote.districtzerox.io. Um, so we're working on Meme Factory right now. We're going to start on that. After that's removed, we expect it to be, um, well, we expect it to take about two to three months to be finished. And once that's done, we uh, will build whatever people are voting on next. So check it out. Vote for what you want to see us build. Awesome. And then to all you guys at the Bounty Zero X team, uh, where can they find out more about your project? And is there, is there anything you wanted to to plug before we end. Yeah, so I think we covered yes. much, um, pretty much everything. Um, so if you want to learn more about Bounty Zero X, you can go ahead and check out BountyZeroX.io. Um, we're also on Twitter, we're on Reddit, Slack, and also on Telegram. So feel free to join us there and ask any questions you may have. Awesome. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're a startup uh, seeking to run a bounty campaign, send us a, an email and we can assist with that. And if you're a bounty hunter who wants to earn some tokens, feel free to register uh, on the site alpha.bounty0x.io. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you all so much for coming. We had uh, Joe Ergo, uh, Pascal Telman, Angelo Adam, and Dennis Dalkalich. Thank you all so much. And uh, Joe, best of luck with the District Zero X platform moving forward. And of course, uh, to the rest of you, best of luck with your uh, your contribution event coming up. Thanks thank very much. Thanks, Robert. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. If you'd like to request someone to be on the podcast in the future, tweet us at ICO Alert and let us know. Most of our guests are requests from listeners just like you, so we review every single recommendation that comes through in our Twitter feed. Uh, we'll look at everything. So if there's a lesser-known project that you think we should cover, you know, let us know. Maybe we'll have them on the podcast. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and be the first to hear our new episodes. And also, don't forget to check out ICOalert.com to see the only comprehensive list of active and upcoming ICOs. I'm your host, Robert Finch, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode.